Well, good morning. Good morning. Can we just start off with maybe like a strong amen this morning? That'd be good. Amen. Amen. Um, amen. Um, and I, I just love that idea in that in that last song that we. And that God would take that somewhere that there's no way we could stand on our own. Amen. That God would take us somewhere that uh, there's really nothing we can do to advantage the situation. That's what that song is saying. God, you take me somewhere that I can't do anything, and you just stand right there in the middle of it with me. Some of you guys have prayed that. God, I want to be closer to you. Amen. Some of you guys have prayed, God, I want to know you more. Amen. That's the song. That's what you're saying. God, I want to know you more. What you're saying is, God, take me away from everything else and dump me in the ocean with you. I don't want to be closer to you. Take me away from everything else and dump me in the ocean with you. And I just want to say this. This is a plan. It's not part of the deal today, but it's for free. Um, some of you guys are going through something crazy right now. And you have no idea why. And you prayed that prayer, right? <laughs> I don't want to be closer to you. Okay. It's going to look like you're in the ocean and you're barely treading water. Until you realize that I'm here right now. That's right. Amen. That's the story of Peter jumping out of the boat. God, I want to be closer to you. If that's really you, call me out on the water. He says, all right, come on. He gets out on the water, and he's got a step. He's got another step. He's got another step. And he sees the storm, the crazy thing that's going on. And when he sees the storm, he focuses on the storm. And the water kind of breaks underneath his feet, and he starts going down. He's treading water until he realizes, man, God, you're the one that let me out here in the first place. Amen. And he calls out, save me. And what happens? He says, immediately, I reached down, pulled him up, and walked him back into the boat. <laughs> they both walked together back into the boat. And now Jesus is in the boat. It's a good place to be. Um, I just want to say, some of you guys are going through some crazy stuff and you feel like God's abandoning you. And maybe what it is is you just quit focusing on the one that's called you out in the water in the first place. And I just have to say, this is for free, so it's just kind of coming out of my heart as we're going this morning. And God's just waiting for you to not whisper, I need you when nobody's paying attention, but shout, God, I need you. Or it doesn't matter who's around. It doesn't matter who hears. It doesn't matter what's going on. See, there's a boat full of people that he didn't need. He didn't need all the other guys in the boat. He needed Jesus because guess who couldn't do anything for him? Timothy. That's right. Timothy can't walk on water. Timothy couldn't do anything for him. So you guys are calling out your friends and family. And you're like, save me. I'm just saying you're focused on the wrong thing this morning, the wrong person this morning. There is one that can save and his name is Jesus. I'm not trying to make light of what you're going through. I'm just saying there's hope in this moment. That's right. Your best days are still ahead of you. That the moment you look up and you realize, God, I need you, and I don't care who hears it, I'll shout it from the rooftops. I'll stand in front of the people on the stage, and I'll say, God, I need you because I'm broken, and I'm helpless, and I'm hopeless. At that moment, hope enters the room. God will pull you up out of that. Some of us are trying to be secret about our hurts, secret about our pain, secret about our struggles, and just say, you stay in the secret, you're going to stay in the water. You start sharing that. Man, I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm 
nothing. I'm, I'm trying just to swim out here, and I need God, and you watch if God doesn't rescue me. And like I said, that's for free this morning. That's not part of the deal. I just want you to know, because I feel like some of you guys have lost your hope, and I just want you to know, hope is here. And Jesus Christ is hope. We started a story last week in John chapter 1. It's the greatest Christmas story I've ever heard, anyway. <laughs> and it says, in the beginning was the Word. We know in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning was God, but here in John chapter 1, it says the beginning was the Word. And what that Word means is that Jesus was there. We got to that last week, right? And in the beginning was this man named Jesus. And Jesus wasn't created in a little place in Bethlehem. He wasn't kind of birthed on the planet through Mary. That Jesus is actually God in flesh. And he existed before creation started. He existed before the beginning and long after the end. He will still be standing. I just want you to know that. But it's also another word, this word logos, the Hebrew word meaning the story of God. But in the beginning was the story of God. And in the beginning, and when creation took place on Genesis chapter 1, we see Jesus breathe everything you've ever seen, everything you've ever known, everything you've ever experienced, everything you'll never experience. The telescope out there is still firing stuff today. I just want you to know, there is still more to creation that we can be in all of. That's the power of Jesus. And he created everything. He said, let there be light, and light leapt from his mouth. I just want you to know what that looked like. That looked like Jesus said, let there be light, and the universe leapt into existence. That's a pretty big deal. And then he focused on this little mud ball that we're on and he created everything on this little dirt cloth that we're on. He created it in perfect order. He created uh, the food chain. He created smells. He created taste. If you love chicken, he thought of that. I just want you to know. Amen. Like that's Jesus that we're talking about this morning. And then he created man. He placed man right smack dab in the middle of the story. The Word of God picked out man and put man in the story of God. That's an amazing story. When you're reading about Adam, man, he's not that impressive, is he? That guy that created him, he's, he's a pretty impressive guy. And he created man, he placed man inside of the story of God. We see in Genesis chapter 3, Man chose creation over the Creator, and man forever was separated from the story of God. You were taken out of, in Genesis chapter 3, the story of God. It's actually the saddest moment, I think, in history. You could maybe try to say that the cross was. I think the cross was the greatest moment in history. You see, man is taken out of the story of God. You and I were taken out of the story of God. We were taken out of the story of God. Life for us was written off. Hope for us was written off. Help for us was written off. All the things this Creator provided were taken out of the story for us. And you started your own little story. Your little story that in 15, 20 years nobody's going to be telling your own story that in 100 years nobody's going to talk about in 1,000 years there's not even going to be a little stone marker on the planet probably that tells your story. And that's the hopelessness that we were birthed into. But I just want you to know God hated that. Amen. And for the next 4,000 years, that's the hopelessness we lived in. And every once in a while, there'd be a prophet on the planet, and he would shout out this little glimmer of hope. But, Savior, you're dead. 
Savior's coming. You're hopeless, but the Savior's coming. Isaiah shouted it in his writings. Other prophets spoke about it. And 4,000 years later, something changed. Amen? For 4,000 years, death reigned over the planet. God hated it. 4,000 years later, something happened. And God decided, you know what? You can come back into my story. And that's what we're talking about this morning in this season. And this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to talk about the beginning of that moment. Matthew verse, chapter 1, verse 18 says, The birth of Jesus Christ came about in this way. I mean, guys are like, why are you stopping there? It's not even a good, awesome moment to stop at. <laughs> I just want you to imagine this. As you see, this is the first book in our New Testament, maybe not chronologically, but at least on the pages that we have. This book was written maybe just maybe just a few years after Jesus had left the planet, after Jesus died on the cross and, and been buried and was resurrected and ascended back into heaven. This book was written just maybe a few years after that. Christianity was not the thing on the planet yet. It wasn't something you could Google and figure out information about. This is, this is a new story. And imagine that maybe a few days ago or a few weeks ago, you heard about this Jesus, this God who came in flesh and he died on the cross to save you from your sins and your guilt and your shame. And you've heard the story that you can have life in him, you can have hope in him, and you've committed your life to that, but you know still very little about Jesus. See, we're in a far different boat probably than most early Christians were. Most of us probably were raised in church. We grew up at an early age in church, and we've heard the story thousands and thousands of times. But this morning, imagine you're hearing the story for the very first time. Most of us have little nativity scenes probably in our house somewhere right now. But when this story was written, it wasn't common knowledge. It wasn't the thing. It wasn't something that everybody knew and everybody talked about. And Matthew starts out in this epic story in this way. It says, the birth of Jesus Christ came about in this way. Imagine, I've never heard where this Jesus came from. I've heard what he does, but I don't know where he came from. And the story starts out, the birth of Jesus Christ came about in in this way, you, you perk up a little bit, right? I mean, this, this sounds amazing. I knew, I knew he died on the cross, but I never knew how he got here. I just figured maybe God just descended like an angel dropped him down into, into Jerusalem, and they were like, let's kill God. That sounds like a great idea. I didn't know how he got here, but here we're about to hear the story of God. This is the birth of Jesus Christ came about in this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This is how this narrative of Jesus starts out. We have some characters. Mary, who's the mother of Jesus, and Joseph, who is the I guess, stepfather maybe, of Jesus. <laughs> and we see that these people are engaged to be married. They're not married um, yet, but they're engaged. Now, this is something completely different than what we're used to. To us, engagement is, I'm going to get you a ring, and in six months, if we're still together, we'll do the thing, right? I'm going to get you a ring in like maybe a year. We'll do the planning stuff. And if we can make it through the planning stuff and we don't kill each other. And then at the end of that, we'll, we'll get married. We'll do the thing and then we'll be married. But if not, it's no big deal. Just give me the ring back and I'll, I'll do something else with it. Right? That's engagement to us. 
engagement in this culture was something completely different. This is, these were not marriages like you just find somebody at, at, at middle school or high school or whatever. These are, these are marriages like, I didn't have anything to do with it. These are arranged marriages. Mom and dad set these up, and usually what would happen is um, the, the kids may not even have a part in it. And the, the groom's father would go to the bride's father, and they would say, hey, I would like to purchase, basically, your daughter to marry my son. And they would give him a price. So you know, three goats and pepperoni pizza or something. And they would go for it. And at that moment in time, that was a legally binding contract. That was that was the thing. They were basically, in the eyes of the law, they were they were married. But at this point in time, they would live separately and maybe not even see each other until the actual marriage ceremony took place. So Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married, but they didn't hang out and go on dates, and they didn't uh, go do normal engaged stuff. She lived in her house and probably was staying there most of the time. He lived in his house, and they probably had very little to no contact at this point. And it says they were engaged to be married, but it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us that are living on the same planet this morning, you hear that, and you're like, that's not normal, right? <laughs> some of you guys have heard it a thousand times. You're like, oh, yeah, it's a girl. She was a virgin, and she had a baby. But I just want, uh, you know, that's not a normal thing. If you come in here spinning that story this morning, I'm going to look at you and probably laugh at you, and I'm going to ask you to forgive me or try to cover it up. But I'm not going to believe if you come in here and you're like, oh, I'm pregnant. And by the way, um, I've, I've never been with a man. I'm going to be like, I don't believe you. <laughs> because it's not a normal occurrence. Yeah, this is the story of the Son of God. This is what we call a miracle, by the way. But I just want to let you know, it's not a miracle that the people would believe in that day. Yeah, there was a prophecy in Isaiah 7, 14 that said a virgin will, will, will have a child, but I'm just going to let you know, a lot of that stuff back in the Old Testament, even the Jewish people were like, I don't really know what that means, and I don't really... And maybe, maybe it's just a, a verse and it really applies to something else or a country or a, maybe, maybe it doesn't apply to an actual woman having, having a child. They would have tried to explain that away, much like we explain a lot of stuff in the Bible that we don't like away today. Yeah. But here in this moment, they discover, oh man, Mary's pregnant. You can imagine this sends her parents into panic mode. It was not good at her house. How are you pregnant? Oh, it's it the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, really, how are you pregnant? It was the Holy Spirit. Probably pretty mad over here. And over at Joseph's house, it was probably, I can't believe that. You paid for her. You bought her. She was yours. You were engaged. And she's out there sleeping around. Because that's basically what they would have thought. Let's just be honest. You can imagine this sets off a dilemma right in the middle of the Christmas story. Everybody's like, oh yeah, it was great. They just rolled it to Bethlehem. It was a good journey. Easy trip. Very, it's not hard for a pregnant woman to go hours on a journey. It's not a big deal by foot. It's, we made up the donkey thing because it's not in the Bible at all. And then they just come a little nice, little neat, little swept up, little cleaned up manger and they got up in there. 
had the baby, no pain, no screaming, no shouting. He was just there. He was Jesus. That's what we think of. We think of the Christmas story. But before we ever got there in the Christmas story, there was already a kind of a bombshell happening in the Christmas story. Because here's the truth. They may not know who Jesus' father is in this moment, but they're pretty certain it's not Joseph. And when you're engaged to somebody, that's a problem. You can imagine in this moment, maybe Joseph would be angry. Maybe Joseph would be hurt. Maybe Joseph would be like, why didn't you want me? Why didn't you wait for me? What, what's going on? Why don't you love this other person? Even though I don't know who this other person is, what's going on? Because Joseph didn't believe, I'll be 100% honest, that this was a baby of the Holy Spirit. Who is Mary, actually, that this would be God's baby? Mary wasn't political figure. She didn't come from a prominent family. She probably come from a poor family. Who's Mary that the Messiah would be born through Mary? This is in 19, so her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. We don't know a whole lot about Joseph, I'll be honest. Joseph probably was dead by the point in time Jesus started his ministry. We only hear about Joseph a few times in the Christmas story, and we know that he's there when Jesus was 12 and in the temple, but after that we never hear about Joseph again. We know very little about the man other than he was raising Jesus for some span of time on the planet. But we do know right here from Matthew that Joseph was a righteous man. He was a morally right and good man. Joseph was a religious man. He was a man that would have tried to follow God, tried to follow the law to the greatest extent that he knew how and could. And because of that, instead of showing anger and wrath and, and, and jealousy and, and, and trying to expose Mary for who he thought she was, Joseph decided, even though she probably deserves it, I don't want anything bad to happen to her. See, in this culture, if you were found to have cheated on your husband or whoever you were engaged to, it's basically the same thing. You could be stoned to death. That was actually the punishment that happened most often. If you were found to have cheated on your husband, they would just take you out in the middle of the street and all the guys would gather around, pick up rocks, and just throw them at you until you're dead. And actually, from what it would look like to everybody in the story, that's probably what she deserved, right? That's what the law says. He would have been right. But Joseph decides instead of death that he would give her mercy. Isn't it amazing that the guy God picked out to raise his son was a man that in a small part showed what Jesus would do in a large part? See, Mary seemingly broke the law. Mary seemingly did something against God. Mary seemingly, even though it wasn't, deserve death. And Joseph would have been just and right to act on that. But instead he gives mercy. What a great man to raise the Son of God who, looking at us, knowing we deserve death. Amen. Knowing we deserve pain and punishment and hurt and whatever we're getting, whatever we have coming to us is what we deserve. Instead of giving us death, gives us mercy. And this is the man that God chose to raise Jesus. It's amazing. 
So Joseph decided, I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to destroy her life. I don't, I don't want to kill her. I just, I can't be in this situation. She's, she's having a baby and it's not mine. I'm supposed to be the, I'm supposed to be the husband and I, I just can't, I can't do that. So instead of entering into that situation, I'll just, I'll just go to, to somebody and be like, hey, the contract is off. Here, just, just don't worry about the goats and the pizza. <laughs> it's over. So that I don't expose her for her shame and her guilt. This is in 20, but after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. So here's what happens. He makes up his mind. I'm just going to divorce her. Who knows how long that took? I'm just going to divorce her. I'm just going to get out of this. I'm going to get out of here. Nobody's going to know about it. I'm going to go do my thing. She can do whatever. And then the moment he decides that, he goes to sleep, probably going to wake up the next morning and do it, and he has a dream. And in this dream, an angel shows up, and it says it's the angel of the Lord. And he shows up on kind of this moment, and he says, Joseph, don't be afraid. Joseph, you don't, you don't have to work. Because she's actually telling the truth right now. I know it's hard to believe. I know it's kind of crazy. I know looking at Mary, you're like, oh, there's nothing special about Mary. Why would, why would that happen? But I just want you to know, like, this really is a baby of the Holy Spirit. This is God's son inside of Mary. She didn't cheat on you. She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't hurt you. She, she, didn't, she didn't do any of that stuff. Like She just is the vessel that God chose to carry the story of God into the planet. So don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. You see, in this moment, that for some reason, Joseph is afraid to take Mary as his wife. And you're like, why would he be afraid to do that? It's not a big deal. Think about this. You, you know when somebody gets married in a hurry now, but you're like, oh, I didn't even know they were engaged. Now they're like married, and you're like, when did that happen? Uh, and they just find out they went off to the thing, and then everybody you know is like, oh, I bet something's going on. <laughs> <laughs> they got married way too fast. People do the engagement thing, and then, or they moved it up, and then the engagement up, and that's what's going on. You hear people whispering, I bet something's going on there, but that's weird as a have a baby, I bet. And then, like, they do have a baby soon after that, and then people are, like, trying to count the months. And got the and you're, like, getting out the calendar and flipping it up, and you're, like, there's one week, two weeks, and we got married, there's some babies born, trying to figure it out, see if everything mathematically matches out, because you just want to know. <laughs> Last week, it's no people or our people that do that. <laughs> If it's like that today in our secular society, our society that doesn't even attempt to look or act godly, what do you think it was like with the most religious people that ever lived on the planet? These weren't people known for their mercy and their grace, by the way. They would stone you in the street. No, no one just. You don't think that his house, that mom and dad didn't know this, and like, you got to get rid of her, so you got to run her, she's baggage, you got to get out of that, that's going to look bad on you, that's going to look bad in marriage, people are going to call her names your whole life, they're going to think, if you if you go along and you marry her, they're going to think that you guys got together, and you're a good, you're a righteous man, and people know that, they know you're a good guy, you got to get out of that, you got to run from that, you got to get away from that. You don't think mom and dad were like that? 
I think all his friends were like, man, I can't believe I choose a and fill in the blank, whatever name you want to put there. And then you need to get out of that. You don't think the guy's talking down at the well or saying things like that? You don't think the women in the marketplace are saying things like that? He's, he's not a stranger to this fact. That at this moment, Mary is probably considered the town prostitute, but she's not got a good name in the town. You're like, oh, everything was perfect for Jesus when he came up on the planet. Like, he just rolled up into Bethlehem, and everything was great, and the manger was all swept up. It was nice, and there he was, and it was a good and sterile environment. And that's what we think about when we think about the Christmas story. But Jesus isn't even on the planet yet, and he's already in the mess. His mom was the topic of the town. Why wouldn't Joseph be afraid? Because in that moment, he's either saying, I don't care about our infidelity, it's not a big deal to me, or he's saying, I was involved in it. And either way, he's joining up with all the guilt, all the shame, all the, all, all the grief that she's going to get for the next however many years. He's joining in willingly to that situation. I want to be tied to that. That's a scary thought, actually. And the angel shows up and he's like, I know what everybody is saying. I know the talk. I know I've heard. I just want you to know you don't have to worry about me. Because they're, they're not going to know. They're going to say what they're going to say. But I want you to know that this is a situation here that God has his hand in. This is, this is the Messiah. You, you're joining up with a mess, but man, what's coming out of that mess is an amazing thing. You probably want to be part of that story. In this moment, Joseph has to decide, do I want to be part of God's story, or do I want to be part of my own story? Do I want to wade into the possible mess and hurt and pain that this next little bit is going to cause me? Do I want to get down into this situation knowing that the end of the situation is going to be an amazing thing? Or do I want to just go my own way and do my own thing and live my own story? And that's the choice that Joseph has in this moment. The angel goes on in 21 and says, she will give birth to a son. Now you know if you wake up and she gives birth and it's a daughter that this was just a dream, right? <laughs> and you're selling some money down on the bet here. So she will give birth to a son. And you are to name him Jesus. You don't need to get to pick out the name. You're going to call him Jesus. When it happens, when she gives birth to a son, I want you to stamp on him this name, Jesus. It's a the Greek form of a Hebrew word, Yahshua. Some of you guys are confused because you're like, Jesus has 27 names, and I don't even know which one's real. And it seems like a discrepancy right there in the Bible. Yeah, because it was Hebrew people and a story written in Greek translated to English. There's going to be some weird, there's going to be some different words come out of it. It's all the same. But this word, Yeshua, is a word that actually means Yah saves or God saves. How, how ridiculous is that? Why would you name your baby that coming out of this situation? 
God inflicted the situation on you. Why are you naming him God saves? See, in, in Hebrew, all the names mean something. You can go back through the Bible, you can pick out any name you want to. If it's a Hebrew name and you look up the meaning, there's a, there's a, there is definitely a meaning behind every one of them. All your names actually mean something too. You just don't know or don't care. But it's a big deal in this culture. They don't mistakenly just name people names because they're like, oh, that's pretty. Or Susie named him Jesus. So I'll name my kid Jesus too. That'd be great. I love that name. All the names in this culture mean something. And the angel wasn't mistaken when he, when he put this stamp on Jesus. He's like, hey, you're going to name him God saves. Hold on, you want me to climb into a situation where everybody thinks my wife is caught up in adultery and she cheated on me, and you want me to tie myself to that guilt and that shame, but you want me to name the kid that comes out of that God saves? It's not even my kid. I want to give him a horrible. <laughs> I don't even want to like this kid. This is not mine, right? That's you. That's humanity. And this angel says, no, I have a plan. And when this kid comes out, you're going to name him Yeshua because I just want you to know, even in this crazy, messed up situation, that maybe that's coming out of it, it means something. <coughs> I want you to name him God saves. And here's why. Because he will save his people from their sins. I want you to name this baby Yeshua, God saves because this baby, this vessel, this child that's coming out of this woman, he's going to save his people from their sins. You're like, Brad, why are you so excited about that? Read, read the Old Testament. This wasn't even on the radar. This was like a brand new deal right here. See, in the Old Testament, all these prophecies, all these moments pushing towards this Messiah, they were thinking and adding them up, and they were like, oh, he's going to be a political Messiah. He's going to be an earthly king. God, at some point in time, is going to send a Messiah, a Savior, and he's going to come in and he's going to kick out the Romans, this invading army. And he's going to set up this new kingdom of David. And it's going to be marked by prosperity and power. We're going to be on top again. We're going to be amazing again. We're going to be the Jewish people and everybody's going to talk about our God and how amazing He is. And we're going to have, we're going to have more gold and more silver and more power and we're going to be in charge of the world. That's what they were looking for. And this angel shows up and he's like, newsflash, you got it all wrong. This is the Messiah. It is very much the Messiah. This is the gift of God. And he is coming to save his people, but he's not coming to save his people from Rome. He doesn't care about Rome. It's something bigger than Rome. And he's coming, and he's not coming to give you riches and wealth and power. That's not what he's coming for. He's coming for something bigger than that. He's coming to save his people. Yes, he's coming to save the Jewish people. More than that, he's coming to save his people, the whole world, because he's the God that we read about last week in John chapter 1, who created everything. You're his people, I'm his people, everybody on the planet's his people. He's coming to save his people. He's not coming to save them from Rome, he's coming to save them from something bigger. He's coming to save them from their sins. This angel straight up says to him, guess what? Everybody had it wrong. 
The problem is not that you somehow got taken over by a different army. The problem is not all the destruction you see in your city. The problem is not all the poverty you see in your city. The problem is not all the hurt and the heartache you see in your city. That's not the problem. The problem is you guys are dead. And you are wiped out of the story of God. Genesis chapter 3, go back and read it. When, when, when God told the people, if you eat that fruit, you're going to be dead. If you eat of that tree, then you're going to die. He meant it. Spiritually, you did. And you are wiped out of the story of God. And in this moment, right now, when you're choosing to get back into the story of God because you believe, I just want you to know, that's coming to everybody. Everybody at this moment when the Savior is born is going to have this opportunity to, to come out of their sin, to come out of their death, to come out of their shame, to come out of their guilt. They're going to have the opportunity to step out of that and to step into that light that we talked about last week, that hope we talked about last week. They're going to have this opportunity to step into the story of God again. So yeah, you're, you're going to name him Jesus. And it says in 22, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And then it quotes it. Isaiah 7, 14, It says, See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. And they will name him Emmanuel. Or they call in some translations Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Uh, what are you talking about? They just named him Jesus. This is not the name, this is the title. I'm Brad the preacher here. Kids at school know me as Brad the teacher. Guys at co-op know me as Brad the farmer. <laughs> It's not your name, it's what you do. The prophet was talking the whole time about this God that would come and be with us. God not out of the story or above the story, but God inside of the story. And it says all this was fulfilled, all the story that you just read about was done this way to fulfill what the prophet spoke about. And you're like, what are you talking about? See, what this confirms is that this story, as crazy as it is, was always the plan of God. Amen? Amen. I'll just say that again, because that's powerful, because some of you guys are wondering why everything's so screwed up, and I just want you to know that the story of God was screwed up, right? All this was fulfilled to, because it was the plan of God. I'll be honest, Jesus wasn't born to Mary because nobody else was willing or because it was an accident. That was the plan of God. God chose to send His Son. You be greater than that. God chose to send Himself. Through Mary. A girl who, it would be obvious to the world, has never been with a man. 
could have chosen a married woman. And I just want you to know that baby's not yours, that's God's. Nobody ever would have talked about it. But God chose to send his son into this situation where when people saw that, they wouldn't believe it because people don't believe miracles, I'll be honest. And people would talk about it. And people would act like there was infidelity there. And he chose that mess. He chose to send Jesus into a world where his father would even contemplate leaving this woman because it's so crazy. But he also chose a father who would extend mercy. He chose to allow Jesus to grow up in a way that people would probably still be talking about his mom. You imagine Jesus running around the street visiting grandma and grandpa and somebody was like, I can't believe what mom did you. You're the legitimate child. There's a name that comes to that. I'm not going to say it. That's what you are, Jesus. You don't have a father. called names probably, got made fun of probably. Yet this is the way that God chose to send his son. So we guys were that's sad but why is that important? Two things. One, I just want you to know the Christmas story shows us God is not afraid of a mess. And my life is so screwed up, i got to get my stuff together before God would ever come near me. No. Man, i got to change all these things before God would ever do anything in me. No. Man, i got to clean up my act, clean up my language, and clean up my whatever before I could ever be around God. That's so false. God actually chose to jump down into the worst situation on the planet to show you, hey, I'm not worried about your mess. I'm not afraid of your mess. I'm not afraid of your darkness. I'm not afraid of your, your problems. I'm not afraid of your issues. I'm not afraid of your struggles. I'm not afraid of your stuff. I'll come right into the middle of that. And for those of us that are already in the story of God, what, what it means is even right now in all the crazy around you, it in no way, shape, or form means that you've stepped out of it. God. God's left me. God's forgotten me. You know, maybe God's just using this. Right. I don't want to make light of anything, but I just want you to know that sometimes this is how God gets us to where He wants us to be. Yes. This is how God chose to get Jesus to where He wanted Him to be, right? Mm -hmm. In a crazy mess and what seems to be hopeless situations, what seems to be the worst case scenario, this is how God chose to get Jesus in, into the story, into your story, and you into his story. In reality, this morning, messes don't disqualify us from the presence of God. Because it's the very mess that the presence of God chose to, came, to come to you. 
this morning. Some of you guys are in hopelessness or what seems to be your darkness or what seems to be or some kind of sickness or some kind of guilt or some kind of shame or some kind of issues. You're in some kind of problems and it seems like everything's falling apart. Maybe it seems like your marriage is falling apart, your life's falling apart, your health's falling apart, your stuff's falling apart, or everything around you maybe is falling apart, your job's falling apart, your life's falling apart. I just want you to know, man, that does not mean the absence of God is in your life. I know people that have lost things like jobs and health and people. And on the other side of that, they can say, man, this is what God did in that. And I just want you to know, even in the darkest moments, like we read last week, the darkness did not overcome the light. There is still hope, and there are still better days ahead, and there is still a future, and there's still a promise, and you still have a direction, and your best days are still ahead of you. And for those of you that, man, you've never even entered the story of God, you just know that everything's screwed up and you're trying to sit there and think, man, I've got to do this and i 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 got to do this before I can ever come near God. I just want you to know, you don't have to do anything before you can come near God. God will come straight to you. Amen. You don't have to move a muscle for God, for you to come near to God because God will come right up into your space. That is the Christmas story. You don't have to do a thing. You don't have to clean up a thing. You don't have to change a thing. You don't have to act a different way. You don't have to change your clothes. You don't have to do anything this morning. You can just allow God to step into your situation and place you into the story of God, a story greater than your story. And this morning, I just want you to know Sometimes that's how God gets us exactly where He wants us. That thing right now that you're like, this is the thing that's destroying me. Maybe God's just trying to birth Jesus down into the middle of that. And this morning, some of you guys are like, I need to run from this, I need to get out of this, I need to get out of this place, I need to get out of churches, I need to get away from God, and that's what you think is going to answer your, your thing, your problem, your question. No, it's not. You have a choice this morning. Joseph had a choice. You can step right into the mess, and you can step right into the story of God. Or you can go out of here, and you can live your own story, and do your own thing, but I just want you to know, when this thing's over and your heart's beating its last and your lungs are breathing their last, your story is going to end in that moment. Amen? When you leave this planet, it's done for your story. You write the best one you can and your story's over. You've got friends and family that may talk about it for another couple days, another couple months, maybe even another couple years, but eventually they're going to quit showing up. But that little stone monument you got. And years later, that thing's going to be laid over, and years later, it's going to be covered up, and that's going to be it for your story. Or today, you can choose and step right back into your story. I know it's a mess. I know this. <laughs> I don't know what you are doing in this story right now. I have no idea. I'm going to choose to step into it because I remember that your name even means God saves. I want to be part of your story. A story that for eternity people are going to talk about. A story that started before you breathed anything into existence and a story that will continue long after the elements are dissolved. I'm going to step into a story 
greater than my story the same. You guys are like, I'm saved, that's great. Are you in the story? Are you living your life? Are you following in the story of God? Are you in the flow of the story? Some of you guys are like, man, I'm lost. I don't know what you're talking about. You saying saved. I've never even heard that term before. I just want to let you know, even for you this morning, you can step into the story of God. You can step into hope, life, future, and life. 